Okay, today my guest is Professor Excel Giroux. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our, our time with her. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Excel as a person, Professor Giroux is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally as a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of her accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Giroux is an editor at Journal of International Business Policy, Associate Editor of Asian Business and Management, Editorial Board Member at Competitiveness Review, International Business Review, and International Journal of Emerging Markets. She was a co-organizer of the Euro-Asia Management Studies Conference in 2015, and uh, a senior economist, was a senior economist at UNCTAD, and she is frequently invited as an expert for seminars organized by the World Bank and the United Nations. She has consulted with large organizations such as the Japanese Bank for International Cooperation, the British Department for International Development, and the ASEAN Secretariat and the United Nations. Thank you, Excel, for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, first question, what did you want to become when you were a child? Um, I, I had lots of ambitions, but maybe the, the earliest um, job I was thinking about was translator. And there's a reason for that. My parents often invited uh, people from various backgrounds. And I was always intrigued about foreign languages that I didn't know. And I thought it would be so interesting to be able to liaise with these people in, a, in their own language. How many languages do you know now? Uh, I, I speak French, English, Spanish, have some basics in German, uh, and that's all, not that many. Okay. Where did you grow up? I grew up in France. I was born in France in a small town called Toisset, uh, which is lovely. It's on uh, the outskirts of a region called Le Beaujolais, which people tend to know for its wine. Uh, it's along the river Saône, uh, not too far off Lyon, which is quite a big city. Hmm. And how did you choose academia? How did I choose academia? Um, I think academia came to me. I definitely was uh, very academic, quite a high achiever in my studies and uh, very curious. One thing I always enjoyed was having the opportunity to think deeply about subjects. And so from one thing to another, I ended up doing a PhD. Uh, and um, I got a job in academia. I don't think that was a plan, but it makes sense given the issues I like. And how do you choose international business, international economics? How did I choose international business? Um, I've always been interested in uh, international business, mostly focusing on multinational firms. So as far as I can remember, even as a, a young teenager, I used to listen to the news and I was always intrigued about uh, these very large firms that seem to have so much uh, power, economic power. I've always found it quite fascinating. So I focused very early on um, international economics, uh, European economics. Um, I did a pre-doctoral in international economics in the University of Paris 1, Panthéon-Sorbonne. Mm -hmm. 
and subsequently um, received some funding to do my doctoral research uh, by the Ministry of Higher Education. And I was particularly interested in how multinational firms used regional um, economies in Southeast Asia to be more successful. So I got this funding and I was invited by Peter to join his team in the UK. So this is how I focus more on international business rather than international economics, which was originally my specialism. This is interesting. I mean, you have so much clarity about how you got into the profession, how you got into IB from very early on. This, this is quite fascinating, really. Um, something that is not on your CV that people will find interesting. Mm, um, if, if we, something that's not on my CV, you mean from a personal perspective, yes. uh, personal hobbies, something that's not on my CV, I, I'm a keen card player. So I love bridge and I play bridge a lot. My family members often make fun uh, about this, but uh, I do love the strategy of a game. I, this is a game I've been playing now for a number of years and I find it endlessly interesting. How did you start playing it? By watching? Is that the method you learned? I No, I joined a club oh. and it, um, uh, there, there were some formal courses organized and I found it extremely useful because bridge is a complex game. So unless yeah. you, you follow some formal training, you will find very difficult to play. Um, I don't play competitively, but I do play very regularly in the club and I find that uh, it's, it's both a social... Um, um, hobby and also something I, I am very passionate about. Interesting. Uh, if you stop doing what you're doing today, what's the second best alternative career path for you? If I stop being a professor mm. in international business, what should I do next? Um, I, I always have lots of different projects going on. So I recently trained as a coach, a professional coach. Um, the, Im the impetus for me was really to, to help my junior colleagues and be more productive in my interaction with them. But I also find it extremely rewarding to support people in the decisions they make. Um, and so I, you know, if I were to change job, uh, perhaps I would become a professional coach. And I would definitely focus on helping people to be more successful in their career. Perfect. About regrets, have you got any regrets? Do I have any regrets? Um, I, I don't think I have regrets as such, no. Um, I'm not a person who regrets anything in life, but if I if I reflect on the choices I made, um, perhaps early on in my academic research, um, I was really interested in looking at how multinational firms could help developing and emerging countries grow. 
And so my early project was looking at interfirm relationships. And um, a lot of the focus there was on economic benefits that multinational firms can bring to the host country and, and the knowledge benefits. And perhaps at that time, I don't think I included sufficient attention on social factors. So is it a regret? Maybe not, but uh, I wish to a degree that I had been, that I had had a bit more of an open mind already at that time. And, and that came from an assumption I made, or, and I used to assume if a country, a company, employees, people can benefit economically, then there's an automatic, you know, spillover in terms of uh, the health, the nutrition, the well-being. By now, I think very differently, mm. and I'm not so sure the link is automatic. And uh, and and this is perhaps something I didn't reflect upon early on in my research and my career. And I think if I had already, I would have made a lot more progress in terms of. Uh, thinking more creatively on the role that businesses have in society and on, on host countries. So what's stopping you now? Excuse me? What is stopping you now? Well, oh, no, I, I definitely, it is not stopping me anymore. Uh, but I have become with time more, um, more interested in societal issues. So I did some work uh, recently on uh, impact on gender equality. For example, I'm working on new projects, um, looking at um, multi-stakeholder perspectives. I still follow the same line of research, but the, the, the consideration I have have changed. And so I don't think that the economic benefits are sufficient anymore. And I do think that in today's world, and that perhaps is also re a reflection of the world we live in nowadays. Uh, can we switch to research and talk about how you explain your research to people who don't read your, your work regularly, to people in a small village when you're stranded on the road? Uh, and how do you explain the importance of your research to them? Um, <clears throat> Yeah, how to explain the importance of my research. I've, I've, I focus predominantly on the role of multinationals and their impact in host economies. And the way I explain it is um, that larger firms or cross or firms that have activities across countries benefit from superior knowledge, capabilities, technologies, and therefore it is important, I think, to understand how they interact with local business actors and how that can help and support development. I also feel these firms have a, a greater role to play to a degree. If you have greater capabilities, there is a sense to me that you have a greater role to play in host countries. So I feel that's important. So both 
thought from a perspective of individuals, but also from a perspective of other local business partners or local policymakers. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect. And then the second important issue for me is um, exploring knowledge and technology transfer across border, but across organizations. And the process of transferring knowledge and technologies is not easy, it's not automatic. Um, and therefore, understanding how this takes place is really key to support local business actors, but also maybe explain to managers how they can do this more efficiently. So they can learn themselves from business interaction in different countries, uh, with different organizations, but they can also contribute more efficiently. Uh, Excel, how about uh, creativity in research? Coming up with great ideas, interesting ideas. Um, uh, how, how does your mind work? How, how does your mind work when you're thinking uh, in the state of idle curiosity? Where do these papers come from? in the state of idle curiosity. Um, I think to come up with really creative ideas, we all need time and uh, time to reflect. So I read quite widely. I read the news, a variety of sources. I also like reading uh, news from different countries because it gives me an insight into how uh, people think so differently, whether I read the news in the UK or read the news in France, it, also, it always gives me interesting insights and different perspectives. So I think we need time. I think we need to consider different perspectives to be more creative. Um, and I feel creativity comes from interaction with a variety of people and always be open-minded, not just about uh, talking with other academics, but talking with people who may not be aware about international business issues, uh, people who might work in, on different um, domains, or simply talking to people. I always find very interesting to hear uh, say, business people who are not academics, hear their views about certain concepts. Um, so I think variety is important. I think listening, truly listening to what people think and feel and try to understand their viewpoints, I find that challenging. So I will give you an example. Uh, a very recent example, of course, and that is um, Brexit and how we might decide as a country to, to leave the European Union. And I found it insightful, even if difficult, to hear different viewpoints compared to the, the one I have. Um, nonetheless, I, I just feel it's essential it's essential never to take anything for granted. It's essential to hear how people think, why they think in certain ways. And it also means we constantly have to reevaluate the assumptions we make. Perfect. Uh, I, I want to ask you about 
something related to this omitted variables in IB research or understudied areas in IB research. Can you name a couple? Yes, there's many understudied areas in IB research. Uh, or, or maybe this is where research will go in the future. So what is under research? Certainly, we're only starting to scratch the surface of how um, international business can contribute to the current debates on uh, sustainable development goals. Uh, now, I like these goals. Of course, I was part of the United Nations when they were devised, and I found it fascinating how this, these resulted from really large-scale multi-stakeholder consultation. I feel they're important for IB scholars because it also directs our research, maybe away from traditional themes and theories which we have been studying for some time. So within these goals, um, there's, there's many aspects which I personally feel are still understudied, uh, but ought to be studied much more. Uh, issues of inequality, We've always mentioned it, but in IB, in the IB field, we felt perhaps this wasn't as relevant to us as a community. And yet, if you if you really look at activities of multinational firms, uh, how they might contribute or not to inequalities within and across countries is really key. And so I feel there's, there's so much more that we need to explore here. Um, there's also the issue of uh, multi-stakeholder partnerships. I've always been very interested in, in organizational boundaries. So a lot of our research looks at cross-country consideration or cross-organizations. There's still not enough, I feel, um, attention paid to multi-stakeholders and how they interact and why they would be important to enhance the way business is conducted across borders. So I think that um, is still understudied. People are paying attention to it, but still not enough. What else I feel we have omitted to degree um, for a number of reasons, to pay enough attention to flexibility so how organizations can be much more flexible to respond to shocks, such as the one we're experiencing at the moment. So how they respond to risk and their ability to respond to risk. So I, I think flexibility probably um, will also increasingly be important in IBA research and how firms can react to risks and turbulence. About the evolution in the field uh, from where we were, where we're going, um, what can you say about where we're headed to? And I, I want to connect it to a potential uh, PhD student question. Um, what is overly studied? Something that they shouldn't study for a dissertation? Although, yes, you should pursue your passion and all that thing is like a constant now. Uh, but what is overly, overly studied and the progression of, in the field? 
Yes, you mentioned, okay, people should definitely study something they're interested in. Um, but people should probably also uh, continue existing line of research. So, um, I mean, there were two questions in your question. So how has IB evolved and what people could be focusing on? IB's evolved, I think, over time, um, um, focusing on either within the multinationals and uh, factors explaining. There's been a lot of focus on global strategies, uh, global structure. Um, uh, and then over time, we've seen a bit more evolution towards different mode of cross-border operations. Uh, towards value chain considerations. So there has been a, a change over time that we can see. Where should people focus their attention more, more on? I, um, I, I would say there's a lot of interesting avenues for research. And that will depend on one's research path. Um, I would actually say we need to pay much more attention to how business impacts upon society. So this interaction between external factors and internal factors. Uh, and the second issue I feel is really key is, um, it's maybe not a domain, but it's something that junior researchers should reflect upon. What is the relevance of their research? The relevance of their research and for whom? Um, and that, I think, is really important when focusing on research questions. So rather than starting from existing research gap, uh, what is the relevance of a research question being addressed and for which type of stakeholders? And I feel that will be really key in uh, assessing how important a new research question will be. And it also means you're more likely as a young researcher to be heard. So is your relevance of importance for managers within the multinational firms and or relevant to policymakers? Will your research really resonate with someone who has to make uh, decisions upon policies on, on a country level? Why or why not? Uh, is your research relevant for employees within these organizations? Or is your research relevant for various stakeholders? Is your research relevant um, maybe from an environmental perspective? So there's the topic that certainly is important, but I would say importantly, relevance. And uh, some people talk about phenomenon research-based research. Um, you know, we should always start, of course, with a real problem, either within the corporation or within society. Um, but we should always ask ourselves, is the research I'm conducting relevant for someone? Uh, and I think if young academics ask themselves these questions, they will, they will conduct research that will enhance 
IB as a domain over time. Uh, Excel, um, who was your advisor or mentor when you were going through this program? Who was my advisor? Um, well, I started my pre-doctoral diploma. This is the French system. So you do five years, you do a pre-doctoral diploma and dissertation um, with Jean-Louis Mukili in the Sorbonne. And uh, I worked uh, alongside him on organizing various conferences. And this is how I met Peter Bachelet, who invited me to come and join him in, uh, he was at the time at the University of Bradford. So I worked under his supervision and the supervision of uh, Hafiz Mirza, who was also working there at the time. It, is, it, it brings me back to one of your questions. You know, I, um, I, I think as academics, we are influenced uh, for quite some time by the scholars we come across fairly early on, but also throughout our career. Uh, another person that definitely influenced uh, my choices early on was uh, Mark Kesson. And the way this happened was I, um, I received an Erasmus scholarship to uh, spend one year during my undergraduate studies in the University of Reading. And I was taught during that time by Mark Kesson. And uh, it, he, he had a, a great impact on me as a very, very junior person. I was doing an undergraduate degree. I was not even thinking about doing research or a PhD, but his, uh, his, his classes were so inspiring to me. And I think with hindsight, even though I was not thinking along those lines at the time, it definitely influenced much of my uh, thinking and decisions along my career. Uh, what do you wish you had known uh, early on that would save you so much pain and agony <laughs> later on? What do I wish I had known? Um, there's more than one path to academic success. And so I think as a junior researcher, I probably envied people who seemed to publish such an influential paper or book very early in their career. What I didn't quite realize is that the majority of academics may be successful uh, over a period of time. And so success doesn't come, at least not to everyone, straight away. Success comes over time through persistence. And I think through a, a degree of dedication to a particular research um, domain. So all of my research somehow is always aimed at explaining one thing, which is the impact of multinational in host countries. And, and of course that led me to exploring internal structure within the multinational firm, headquarters, subsidiary relationship, inter-organizational uh, inter knowledge exchange. Um, but, but it was a process of slowly building a particular research theme, it, and that happened over time. And I had, a, I think, very early on, uh, this is something I understand now, 
as a more experienced academic. But early on, I mixed up what it meant to be successful within academia. And I thought perhaps it was this really highly cited paper. Yes, it can be, but there are other ways. So I, I think it would have been a, a useful advice to receive very early. Well, giving advice about you giving advice to junior faculty and young scholars, uh, especially about academic memory. Uh, what is, in your opinion, a common mistake that young scholars make and they shouldn't? What not to do? What not to do? Uh, the biggest mistake, yeah. What, what is the mistake that young scholars do? I can see more recently um, doctoral students and the way they think seems to have changed over time. Uh, there was, in the past, doctoral students were more interested in, in, a, in a research question, in a domain. More recently, there's a bit more emphasis on publication straight away. And I think it is a mistake. Yes, it is important to publish and to publish quickly at a high level because junior faculty or junior researchers want to have a job. But what matters more in the long run is the, the research path and the research message they want to convey. And so I think instead of focusing solely on publishing as quickly and as in, in a high level journal, think really about the research that you want to conduct and why you're conducting that research and how that is going to evolve over time. I think the second biggest mistake is um, this belief that it's important to show you can publish on your own. I don't believe in silo. I think academic research uh, increasingly always has been, but increasingly is about collaboration. And so, and, and there's nothing wrong with collaborating, especially early on in your career. There's two advantages to that. And it is combining skills because it is so difficult to publish at a high level then combining skills is one way through which we can achieve greater quality quicker. But also because collaboration is, is a way of uh, creating your support network and your support network is what carries you through your whole academic life. So I don't, I think working in silo is a mistake. Yes, you can prove yourself, you want to prove yourself as a researcher, but really collaboration is key. And, and maybe the last, um, the last big mistake I would think of is um, getting lost in details. Uh, I can see that in junior researchers. They're, they're really trying to explore every tiny minute detail. That means they often forget to step back and reassess what their core research question is for a particular paper or a particular um, PhD. And if they can step back 
and really think sometimes about their core contribution, core research question, that can really help them in building or enhancing theory. So rather than focusing on providing lots of data and detailed analysis, step back and think a little bit more about what it means and what are the core concepts that the work is bringing and how you're contributing. Thank you. Excel, uh, what's the question I should have asked you about Evans? What is the question you should have asked? Um, I, I guess I've talked a bit about it, but um, should academics think about impact? I guess impact, and maybe that is at the top of my uh, current thinking. Um, I think it is relevant. It's relevant for myself, but it's relevant for junior faculty. It's relevant for all of us. And um, how can we achieve impact? And how can we be more creative about ensuring that we can continue to have an impact? So, and the type of impact that we have. Um, I think that to me is really a key question for any academic and certainly international business as well. So what's the answer? What is the answer? Um, don't mix impact, I think, with uh, simply looking at citation. Impact comes in various ways. And I believe for, especially for junior faculty, now that there's more emphasis on a variety of ways to communicate our research, um, it means that academics need to think not just about citation, because it's mostly by other academics, but also about impact on policy, policy makers. Um, I'm very fortunate to be on the editorial board along Sariana, London, for the Journal of International Business Policy and with Ari van Asche. Um, I think it's important to think about policy impact and also impact on society. So for younger or junior researchers, there are different means to disseminate uh, findings. And I'm thinking about their ability to engage with social media and new means of communication. And I feel that opens, it creates additional pressure, probably, but it also opens up huge new avenues for academic to engage much more um, positively with a wider audience. And I would encourage people to, to think about how they can therefore widen their impact where relevant, of course, um, and also reflect on how they can communicate their research maybe in simpler terms so that it is more accessible to a wider audience. Exactly. Thank you so much for this great interview. I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thanks. Thank you so much. Bye now.